thing out. Open your Bible to James chapter 3. We want to pray at the end for those that have need of healing. We're also going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been wanting that, to speak in other tongues, the gift of God. So today as we dismiss, if you do want prayer, don't leave because we want to pray for you today. Uh, we're going through the book of James right now, and we're learning uh, what James taught his people about how to be a Christian. Everybody say, serve God. Thank you. We are here to serve God. And the best way to do that is to use your Bible. Everybody say Bible. Bible. Say B-I-B-L-E. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the book for me. <laughs> Amen. And a neat acronym, a way to always remember your Bible, a preacher once said, is basic instruction before leaving earth. Everything you need to know about life is found in the Bible. You want to know how to have a blessed family? Read your Bible. Matter of fact, Jeffrey, go ahead and just stand up quickly for us. Let's show everybody your T-shirt and uh, to turn around so everybody can see it. You know, it's like if you're in trouble, call these numbers and uh, show these people as well here. Those are scriptures. So, like, you know, just read one off. What does it say? What's the first one say up top? What does it say, what does it say Berto? Amen. So if you've got problems, call John 14. What's the next one say? If you've sinned, call Psalm 51. Everybody say amen. Thank you, Jeffrey. You see, that's what the Bible has. The Bible has the answers to our life. Now, the book of James is teaching us some of those answers. Just to go over them with you. Uh, chapter 1, we've learned to count our trials and tests all joy. Everybody say joy. That means when you're going through something tough, you're not supposed to give up and quit. The first reaction is to cry, but the Bible says that you're supposed to be filled with joy. Now, we differentiated those type of troubles with sin, because when you're dealing with sin, you should cry and get upset and let God change you. Amen? But these are trials like we go through every day. Maybe somebody doesn't like you. Maybe the economy goes bad. Maybe you don't get accepted to the school or college that you want to go to. Maybe somebody on your job doesn't like you. The Bible says don't give up. Don't have a pity patty party. Rejoice. Everybody say joy. Then the Bible begins to go on and teach us there in chapter 1 about how temptation comes into our life. And it comes through our own evil desires. So we can't say it's God's fault because it's really our fault. And then he also began to talk about the, the tongues that we use, uh, the words that come from our tongue, rather, and how we start fights with each other. And we shouldn't talk that way. In chapter 2, we learned about not having favorites in the church, that we shouldn't say, oh, we like just rich people, or we're going to treat poor people bad, or we're only going to like adults that have 2.5 children and live in the suburbs, and we're not going to like inner city people or people of different nationalities. The Bible says that we shouldn't have favoritism. The Bible then goes on to talk about, as we learned the last time I preached on this, the week before Easter, was that your faith is to have works. Everybody say, faith and works. Everybody say it again. Faith and works. Amen. Thank you. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to put some works with that faith. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you got to put some works with that faith. See, do you have some faith with some works on the side? You got to, you know what I'm saying? It's like when you go to, when you go to uh, Jimmy's or you go to Dog Stop, your favorite place, Portillo's, you got to say, I want some fries with that dog. You know what I'm saying? You got to have some works with your faith. Amen. You got to have some peppers with your beef. Hallelujah. Come on. You, you got to do it like that. Now, 
The Bible says that if all you're doing is saying, hey, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith, and I know God can do this, all you're doing is wishing. The Bible says you've got to do some things with your faith. If you believe God can give you a blessed family, then spend time with your family. Do devotions with your family. If you believe God can take you from being broke, busted, and disgusted, then get up and get a job. Amen? And then work hard on your job. Come on. Don't, Don't just say, Lord, bless me. You have to work and do things. And God says faith and works is what he's looking for. Now, going on to chapter Three, we're going to learn two important lessons. We're going to learn on taming the tongue. And number two, we're going to learn to walk in humility. So if you want to know the verses that are going to teach you about the tongue, it's going to be verses 1 through 12. And the verses that are going to teach you about humility are 13 through 18. And that's why in our our church here, we love to use the NIV because, brother, could you show them the paragraph opener there? It says taming the tongue. Thank you. And now go down a little bit. You're going to see the next section. It's going to break it off for you and say two kinds of wisdom. And that's where we're going to learn humility. So when you're reading your Bible, kind of look at those subtitles and you can go, Oh, this is what I'm going to learn in this passage. Now, let's start in verse 1 of chapter 3 in the book of James. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone never is at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Everybody say, live for Jesus. If you're going to teach somebody else to live for Jesus, you better be living for Jesus. That's the first lesson we learn here. So why is it Metro Praise has a vision, connect, mentor, send? Why do we write books and do discipleship? It's because we want you to be trained so you can teach the gospel. Now, the Bible doesn't say here, don't be a teacher because it's just so hard. No, the Bible says those who want to be a teacher should not do it lightly. So all of my leaders that are here, all of the elders, just stand up. Elders and deacons, there's 11 of you now. Every one of you that's in here somewhere in the nursery. Do you know right now that they have the authority to teach because they have been taught? So those of you here right now should not presume to be them in the church because if you do that, you're going to get judged very strictly and very severely. You don't want to be judged like them not knowing what they know. Now all those in the 201 class, stand up. You may be seated, elders and deacons. Thank you. All those in the 201 class, these are the teachers in training. Lilani's learning how to teach her youth and young adults about the Lord. Davi and so on with Cynthia and Adam with the young adults and Jared going out to preach in the gospel and Vanessa wants to be a missionary and everybody else has a calling here. Now guess what? What are they showing us? That they have to go through these classes before they become teachers and that they shouldn't presume to be a teacher yet until they receive training. Now, they, now you guys please be seated. Now, everyone that's going through a 101 book or is getting geared up to come back to the 201, some of you are taking a little detour. You know who you are. Stand up with me now, please. Amen. Now, those of you here right now, you're being trained in the things of God. And you need to stick with your training because the Bible says that it's a good thing to want to be a leader. It's a good thing to want to be a disciple that makes disciples. As a matter of fact, the Bible commands you in Matthew 28, go into all the world 
and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded you. So it's a command to do what you're doing. You're doing great. And I can't wait to see you in the 201. Amen. You may be seated. Now, everybody else who has not stood, now it's your turn to stand. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> oh, come on, don't be shy. Now you have to ask yourself a question. What are you doing? What are you doing? If you're not in the 101 being discipled yet, you can never be a teacher. Now think of what it says in Matthew chapter 28. See, keep standing. Don't get embarrassed. Keep standing. Oh, you got to do something? Okay, I just saw you sitting, dude. My fault. Oh, you are in the 101. You got in the wrong seat then. Okay, we'll let you go. But everybody else, everyone look up at me. Hector and Kathy, Dahlia, uh, Paulette, and, and my, what's your friend name? Gabby, you're new. Amen. God bless you. Josh and Monty in the back and my new friend right there. Here's the plan for everybody. Do I have somebody standing up? Do you want to stand up, Mom? Come on, be, be courageous. Show your children an example. Everybody here, let me look at you. If God said to you, go into all the world and make disciples, how can you ever do that unless you become a disciple? So you may be seated now. Amen. Now everyone say this. I will be a disciple. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should be presumed to be teachers, my brothers, because you who teach will be judged more strictly. So if you are going to be an obedient child of God, because Matthew 28, uh, verse 18, just put it up there for them, brother, so they can see it, commands you to be a teacher, you can't take that assignment lightly. And I'm looking at these two lovely young ladies that are thinking about going to Bible college now in Oakland, California, and you want to go down and be at the school that I was a part of, let me tell you something, you cannot take that lightly. Because you will be judged severely by that. And that is something that is serious now. And look at what it says. Look, Jesus said, go into all the world. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, and what? Come on, don't get shy on me at 1230 in the afternoon. Come on, somebody. Preach with me now. And doing what? And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, hold it right there. Look at this scripture. It says, teaching them. Now, verse 30, not many of you should presume to be teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to fulfill this command and not make a mistake here? You have to be trained. You have to be taught. You have to be showed the right way. And my friends, there is no better church than to do it right here, right now. And everybody who stood up at the end, nobody was trying to embarrass you. What we're saying to you is you need to get on with what God is commanding you to do. Every one of you need to get and do what God is saying because you are going to be judged by this. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not called to do that. Well, then you don't know what a Christian is then. If you think there's a difference between Christian and a disciple, you're right in some ways. And the thing is, is that you may not even make it to heaven then because you're doing the wrong thing because a Christian is just somebody that they look at you and say, oh, you go to church or you do this. So you might be setting yourself up. Look at it as the same thing. And at least one is better than the other disciple. Because when Jesus came, he didn't say, hey, I came to make 11 Christians or I came to make 11 churchgoers. It says, I came to make 11 what? 
disciples. So if you're getting confused saying, well, I don't know, I'm just going to be a Christian or, or can I be a disciple or, you know, am I supposed to teach or just go to church? You're supposed to do everything Jesus Christ called you to do. And the way we look at it is, is this. Christian may be a title that everybody uses on the street. They may say, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Are you Jew, Catholic, or Muslim? But you know what a disciple does? A disciple keeps the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to go out and teach people. They want to make a difference. You know why? Because people are going to hell without Jesus. Amen? Amen. Look at now verse 5, or verse 3 rather, of James. He's going to change subjects right quick here. He just said, hey, be careful when you're teaching because you're going to be judged more strictly. Now verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Somebody say, look out. Now, how many know that our tongue can get us in a lot of trouble? Our tongue is the smallest part of our body that can get us into the most amount of trouble. It is so small, but it will cause more trouble than anything that's smaller than your fist, but the mouth will get you more trouble than your fist. Are you guys listening to me? I mean, your mouth is, is, is a big, big troublemaker. And where does the Bible say that fire comes from? It comes from hell itself. And he gives an example. Look at the examples he gives. First of all, he gives an example that says men can go get an animal and tame it, but they can't tame their, tame their tongue. Have you ever seen in the circus where people get on a big elephant and they're like taming it or something? Or, you know, like those guys going to the lion cages and, like, and they're like, tsh, tsh, and then like they make it sit on a chair and like drink tea or something. It's like, wow, I didn't know the, the little bear could do that, you know, or the lion could do that. But guess what? Now he flips it on us and he says, we can do all that, but we can't even tame this. Think about how true that is. You and I can do so much in life. You can build buildings. Your job could be to, you know, construct the largest buildings. You could be an awesome, uh, you know, engineer. You could be very intelligent and run businesses, but your tongue can still get you in trouble. I, I like to watch The Apprentice, and I look at Donald Trump. This guy is an amazing businessman, but he has a terrible mouth, terrible mouth. Sometimes it's hard to even watch the show because his tongue is set on fire by hell. How many know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. How many know that your neighbor needs to hear this say amen? <laughs> How many know that your children need to say this, parents, hear this, amen? Parents, your children need to hear this. Oh, come on. We all need to hear. Everybody say amen. I'm going to show you some scriptures. Go with me to Proverbs. Get ready to take a journey through what your tongue can do and what it shouldn't do. Go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 7. I'm going to run you through Proverbs. If you ever want to get a hold of your tongue, start reading through Proverbs. And you know what I love right there in that scripture we just learned? Is that he says, you know what, we do stumble, we make mistakes. But we should learn to guard our tongue. So you know what, I can tell you I am one of the worst of using my tongue because I have a gift of speaking. And I'm, I'm bold, you know what I'm saying? I might just tell you guys some stories right now that just make you wonder why you even listening to a pastor like me. But Jesus forgives me, and he's working on me. Amen? 
I remember one time my wife and I, just uh, about a month ago, we went, I'm going to be embarrassed to tell some of this now, because y'all want to talk about it after service, and then you tease me, but listen to me, I'm just going to confess, and you know, if we had you confess, and it would be like this too, okay? So we went to this Italian restaurant, and this is like one of our favorite places, and we're there, and we're getting ready to eat, and this guy is running late. The uh, waiter, he's not coming to us the way I like him to come, right? So, you know, I'm getting to that point. How y'all look at this corner? Y'all look at me so intently. So intently right now. I just feel weird. So, like, you know me. Everybody knows me. Like, I'm, I get impatient. And so I'm calling it. I'm like, if he does not come out here in two minutes, we're walking out. So we all done that before most of us have, okay? But watch. When he didn't come, I'm walking out. And it just came out. I am now walking and I call out the entire restaurant. I'm like, y'all are a terrible restaurant. I ain't never coming back here. And I look at the manager. I'm like, fire that dude because I ain't coming back. And literally the whole restaurant looks at me. I know you never want to come to church again because of that. Seriously, it's like a month ago. I am yelling the whole entire restaurant, fire him. I don't like you. Like three people come out from the kitchen, the manager, run, and they're all walking with me. And like I'm yelling because I just got so mad. It's like, like fire from hell on my tongue. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not be as bad as me, so you pray for me. But those are the struggles that we have with our tongue. And, and we can go there so quick. I mean, I was just on the phone with my, with my seminary. I was on the phone, and this is what they did to your pastor. We pay, uh, I, uh, you know, I pay my bill through credit card, okay? And I got to pay thousands of dollars. It's very expensive and, you know, all these things. And, and they don't give loans uh, because it's correspondence. And I'm really upset about that because there's other places I can go that give loans. And so we got to pay for uh, this schooling seminary in, in, you know, in cash up front. It's like $50,000. It's massive, okay? Thousands of dollars every month, okay? And Every time I, I buy something, I pay for it. It's just so simple. You know, as you buy, you pay for it. Well, they sent me a book by mail, and they didn't tell me about it, and it was a $6 mailing charge, okay? And they start sending me bills for this. I don't get it. I eventually get a bill that says, we are going to send this to a collection agency, and I see this thing go from 6 to 25 to 50 to think. Now it's like $120. They're going to charge me because of this one $6 thing. So you can just imagine when I called up that man at that Bible college, I, this is what I said. I said, to hell with what y'all are doing there. I said, if you don't get your stuff together, I'm going to quit this school right now. I'm going to take my money and go somewhere else. I said, y'all are crazy. You're dumb. And you insult me by thinking I won't pay $6. That's what your pastor did. Now I got a call from the school. And I got to sit and talk to him and apologize. And Jeffrey was there and Ricky was there. And, like, they could just see me on the phone. I'm like, oh. Y'all just looking at me too crazy right now. How many know the tongue gets set on fire by hell itself? How many have lost your temper? Come on. How many of you have stories to tell if I pass around the mic? Okay. So somebody say, help them, Jesus. Now say, help me, Jesus. Amen. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 7. Go through them quickly. So get your, you know, your fingers ready because I'm going to start showing you all these Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 7 says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Hearts of fools just blurt out whatever they want. Look at verse 14. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. 
That's why we don't want you listening to bad music, because it comes from folly. It comes from fools. Now go over to the next uh, couple chapters. Chapter 17, verse 28. Chapter 17, verse 28 says, Even if a fool... Or even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. You know that? Come on. You look smart when you don't talk a lot. Amen? We do. We just look smart. You're like, oh, somebody's so smart. But they just don't talk a lot. They just look smart because they're not talking so much. But how many know the ones that are always talking, they look dumb, they put their foot in their mouth? Come on, somebody. Look at chapter 19, verse 1. Better is a poor man whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. That's why we do not allow perverse speech here. That's why God doesn't allow perverse speech, because you look like a fool. Now, you notice how every time it makes a comparison, like it goes right to a fool. Like you're not just kind of a bad guy messing up. No, you're a fool. When I acted that way, I was a fool. I mean, it's just that simple. And what did Mr. T say he does with fools? He pitied a fool. And, and that's why we got to change, okay, because we don't want to be fools. Amen? Now, uh, go to chapter 18, verse 2. This is my favorite one as a pastor. Oh, I love telling people. Oh, when I tell them this, they get so mad. This will always set somebody off right here. And if you get mad reading it, you know I'm talking to you. You know I'm talking right at you. Look right here. Verse 2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. <laughs> when somebody's in my office and they're just getting mad and they're not listening to me, I'm like, look, open up your Bible and read this scripture. And they're like, a fool. You know, and they're like, what are you calling me? I'm like, I didn't call you nothing. I'm just saying, you just keep talking all this talk. You ain't listening to what I'm saying. All you're doing is feeling good about hearing yourself talk. You need to stop and listen. Amen? Amen. Have your children read this parent and say, this is what you're acting like. You ain't listening to me. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but only delights in sharing their own opinions. Now look at uh, chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Hello, somebody. That is a Chicago verse right there. Because people be getting beat up all the time over their mouth in this city. I've never seen it until I moved to Chicago. I've seen truck drivers getting fight. I've seen store owners fight with customers. I've just seen fights, and it always starts off with all that yelling. Amen? It all starts off with that yelling and that tongue set on by fire by hell. And then look at verse soul. Uh, verse soul. Look at verse 7. A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. How many of you know that if you've been fired, that probably had something to do with it right here, was your mouth? Most people get fired because of their mouth. I see somebody's head going down. People just like, oh, he's talking about me. I, man, I lost jobs because of my mouth. I got kicked out of school because of my mouth. It's like your undoing is because of your mouth. Now turn with me to Ephesians 4 and see the remedy. Somebody say, the remedy... You see, we cannot have a tongue set on fire by hell. We need to have a life set on fire by heaven. Your tongue needs to get set on fire by the fires of heaven. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And I'll end with this portion today. I don't feel led to keep you here for the other scriptures, so we won't go long today because we've already done so much. But look at Ephesians chapter 4. Here's the remedy. Today's message is tame your tongue, by the way, if you're taking notes. Tame your tongue. Ephesians 4, look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs 
that it may benefit those who listen. You see, it's always good when people are talking and getting off in that way. You should, you should say to them, are you building up people right now? When you're in a conversation with somebody and they're just running off at the mouth, a great thing to say to them is, hey, man, are you building me up right now? Are you building me up? Are you building me up? See, you should say that to your children. You should say that to each other, you know, as friends. Are you building me up? You know, if that guy would have said that on the phone at, uh, you know, the seminary, hey, pastor, pastor, your pastor, by the way, hey, are your words building me up? I would have been like, no, no, they're really not kind of tearing you down right now, and I'm feeling good about it, you know. See, if he would have said, hey, are you building me up? And that's why when we correct in this church, we always do it for your building up. We never want you to feel tore down. So when we are rebuking you and we're correcting you and we're showing you your folly, we're not doing that to hurt you. We're doing that to build you up. And so when you get into fights and you're letting your mouth go, you really need to ask yourself, am I building people up? And I always like to say this example because I'm a pastor and it makes perfect sense to me. This other pastor said it. He said he, he's a big pastor. You know, he's, he has all these members. And one day he was at the airport and he was losing his temper like the way I was. And then a woman, you know, who was taking his ticket right over here comes over and says, hey, you're my pastor. And like he just felt so dumb because he just went off on one of her coworkers. And it's like, man, that's, that's my member right here, you know. And it's like I could just imagine like if one of you would be the, the, the Verizon phone person who I'm going off on. You know what I'm saying? You know, you would never want to come to the church again. Like, man, that pastor is mean. And, and I remember just being out with, with, with my friends. I can't remember if it was Glenn or somebody. I was out with them and I lost my temper. And he said, you can expect them never to come to your church, man. And, and it's like it's kind of funny, but then it's sad because it's like, Man, I can lose things because of this. It's foolishness, right? And so I don't want you to do that. God doesn't want us to do that. So number one, when you're learning the remedy, the remedy is only speak what is helpful for building up others. And when I do marriage counseling, all my married couples, please look up at me. Man, this is what it's all about. It's all about building each other up. Because how many know we can nag and nag and nag? Husbands can nag. Wives can nag. We need to ask each other, husbands and wives, is what you're saying building me up? Okay, let's keep it real. It's a quiet amen from the, the married people. Can I get an amen from married people? Amen. amen. Thank you. It says, because it, it needs to benefit those who listen. Now look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit from whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let me just pause right there. Do you know that when we're angry and we're speaking those words, we're grieving the Holy Ghost? Like, I'm telling you, man, I couldn't have casted a demon out of a flea. I couldn't have healed a cold when I was walking out of that restaurant screaming at those people. I probably couldn't have led one person to Jesus. Not one prayer would ever have been answered in my life because the Holy Spirit was grieved. You know, and that's why we don't want to act that way. We don't want to act that way in the church, and I appreciate that word. You're telling us not to be messy. You know why? Because messy people cause messes, and we don't want that in the church. And, and you know what? You can notice it when it happens in the church, just like you can notice it with your friends. It's like one friend gets on the outs, and then everybody starts talking about them behind their back. Then all of a, friend, all of a sudden, that friend walks in the room. And what does everybody feel? It's like awkward. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that awkward feeling is Times a million when it's done in the Holy Spirit. You'll come in here and you'll be like, where's God? Where's the love? Where's the presence of God? The Holy Spirit's left because we're arguing with each other. There's being rebellion. There's people rebelling against the pastors, backbiting. We do not want that. Everybody say, to hell with the devil. devil. Amen. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 31. Here's the remedy. Get rid of all bitterness. Okay? 
So where do our words of anger come from? Bitterness. We're upset with people. How could you do this to me? Okay, so I was bitter towards that restaurant. So I got to get rid of that. The things in your life get rid of bitterness. Rage. That's when we're quick-tempered. We're going to snap, you know. Anger. Got to get rid of it. Can't get angry. Can't get angry with my children like that. I can't get angry with rage. Brawling. You can't fight anymore. Guys, girls, young people, you can't fight anymore like you used to. Adults. How about this slander? Even if people hurt us, we're not supposed to use our words to tear them down. Oh, do you know what so-and-so did? You know, and I know sometimes in the church we're trying to pray for one another, but our prayer requests become gossip. It's like, I have a prayer request for Gary, and let me tell you what Gary did. Gary did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah, and he did this, and he did this. But pray for him. Pray for Gary. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, come on, are we building Gary up or are we tearing the man down? I don't even feel like praying for Gary anymore. It's like, judge him, Lord. It's like when we, when we talk about that, we should be like, oh, Dito, I pity the fool. Let's pray for Gary. Okay? Everybody say, love Gary. Amen. So get rid of slander along with every form of malice. And that malice, that word malice, means that you're, you're, you're trying to start something. Malice means like you have malicious intent. It's like, you know, like I was talking about that gossip thing. You're hiding it with a prayer request like you're malicious and you're sneaky. Get rid of that whole thing. Just look at, Now look what it says. Be kind. Be compassionate to one another. You know? Maybe the guy waiting on my table, maybe he, he had three other tables that day that he wasn't expecting, right? Be, be kind and compassionate to him. Maybe that woman working at Verizon actually has nothing to do with the company policies and why I'm getting charged 500 extra dollars and I should just be kind to her because she wants to actually try to help me out. Right? Maybe just believe that. Like she actually cares and wants to help me out. Maybe some of them don't, but we should be kind. How about the person in traffic? Maybe they just don't know how to drive. You know, maybe they just don't, maybe, maybe nobody ever taught them. Maybe nobody ever sat down and told them, you're supposed to put on a turn signal before you cut me off. You're supposed to wave. You're not supposed to flip me off. You're cutting me off and you're still flipping me off. I hate when people do that. It's like they make us be like we're the ones that fall and they're the crazy ones. And what's another big pet peeve? When you, when you let that person come into your life and they don't say what's up. That's the worst. You're supposed to say thank you. But nobody maybe taught them manners. So instead of getting angry at them and honking and like getting real close to their tail, just be kind. Amen? Pray for me. Hallelujah. Be kind. Compassionate to one another. And here's what it says. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. If you believe it, can you say amen? Praise God. Would you stand up to your feet today? Let's bless the Lord for His Word. Amen? Tame your tongue. Band, would you come up here? We're going to pray today. Some very special prayers if you have need today. I want you to come. We're going to really believe God for the anointing to come. You've seen all that God is doing at Metro Praise. You know what's going on around the world. Keep praying for us. But let's now take on the heart of what this message says right now. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to take on the heart of this message. And I want you to ask God, Lord, is my heart speaking the right words? Am I letting? Because the Bible says your words come from your heart. Some people have said, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I don't know why I talk like that sometimes. You know what the Bible says? Your words come from your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, 
Your mouth speaks, the Bible says. So search your heart and say, God, what do I need to change here? Come on, everybody should be praying that right now. Just close your eyes. We, we close our eyes not to focus on other people, but to focus on God. And just begin to lift up your hands as you feel the Lord begin to deal with you. And just start saying, Lord, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender. Forgive me. Come on, the Bible then goes on to say, how can fresh water come from a salt water lake or ocean? How can bad things come out of a Christian's mouth? It's, it's opposite. I want to pray right now with you that this church will guard its words, that this church will have people, young adults, especially young people, listen to me, a lot of young people here, that you will not be the same in your words like people that you go to school with. You've got to change the way you talk. Come on, I pray for humility to come into your heart right now. Jesus, Jesus. Some of you may not take this very seriously right now because we had a good time, but please take it seriously because you can ruin, you can ruin the blessings of God with your mouth. I've sat down with married couples and I've heard them ruin each other with each other's words. Some of you were hurt and ruined by what your parents said to you. Come on, you need to forgive them, but don't treat other people like that. Hurt people, hurt people. Come on. Just begin to say, Lord, change my heart, change my words. Change my heart, change my words. Let me represent you. Change my heart and change my words. Now as we're praying, if you came here today and you want to accept Christ into your heart, we're going to start praying today. For those who want to live for Jesus, if you're here, I want you to come forward right now and just ask Jesus into your life. If you came here today and you're not sure of your salvation, if you were to die, if you would go to heaven or hell, if you're not sure, you need to get sure of your salvation.